0: Good morning, Transit family. How are you all doing? We good? Good, good, awesome. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're excited that you're with us this holiday weekend. And uh, uh, this is a judgment-free zone if you're a parent. I got three kids of my own that'll be crinkling potato chip bags the whole service. So uh, if you're a parent, just, just breathe in and breathe out. It's all going to be all right, all right? Uh, Because the kids are in the service, I'm only going to preach for two hours, so be good. With that said, we love to read uh, from the scriptures here and preach from the scriptures here, so we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, and that's where we find ourselves again today. Open up your Bibles to Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. To start our time, uh, I'm going to read this, and we're going to pray and jump on in. Words of Jesus. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits, or grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you grateful for the gift of family. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've redeemed us in one body. And you haven't just redeemed the adults in the room. Uh, you've redeemed our kids as well. And Jesus, you said, don't keep the little ones from me. So we're so grateful to hear the kids laughing and even crying today in the service, God. And we just, we just pray, God, your grace and protection, God, over our families, God, and our kids. God, That even though they may not understand what's happening here, God, that you administer your love and your grace to their hearts, Lord Jesus. And that they would build their life on your love, Lord God, like we sang about this morning. So we're here today to honor you, to render praise and glory to you, Jesus. And so we give you our hearts today. And when you say through your word, we we just ask, we open up our hearts, we say, come and search us, O Lord, wherever we're being led astray from you, from your heart, God, from your teaching, from who you are and what you want for your followers, would you realign us today, uh, Lord God? Would you call out blind spots by your Holy Spirit, bring the sweet blessing of conviction, so we can turn to, uh, to you, Jesus, to everlasting life and truth. And so we just pray your blessing over our time. Would you increase, Jesus, when I decrease? And pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Uh, well, to be honest, as I, the way I started preparing for this message is I read the text, and I was like, okay, Jesus, uh, I really don't know what I'm going to do with this one because uh, I don't really have a heart for this. I'm not sure how this really applies to my life, because if I were to ask, like, don't raise your hand, but if I were to ask, how many of you, like, know a false prophet, right, you'd be like, I don't know a false prophet, right, Um, so what was interesting, as I was praying, and I was, I was asking for, uh, God, I want your heart with this, Jesus, clearly, um, this, clearly, this matters to you, if it's going to be in your Sermon on the Mount, what you're going to say to your followers, it clearly matters, and it mattered in the first century, and it really matters today in the 21st century. And the impression I got in prayer as I was preparing for this message was, given the historical moment that we find ourselves in, uh, the instability, the hostility nationally and globally, the great shaking that's happening, there is a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety that's going. There is, there is no supply chain issue on anxiety and fear in 2022. Amen? There's a great shaking that's come to the church. And then, okay, okay so there's, there's anxiety, there's fear. Life is hard as it is, but then compound everything that's happened these past couple of years, and it's amplified, okay? So that's the moment we find ourselves in, and then if we ask the question, when are God's people so easily led astray? When is one prone to be deceived and prone to wander? When our judgment is clouded by fear and anxiety. And then, so, so here, here's track with me here. Given the historical moment we're at, the fear, the anxiety we're at, and also, the 24-7 access that we have to anyone with an opinion and a YouTube account, the field is white for the harvest for the church to be led astray. White for the harvest. It is, it is easy pickings for false prophets because they can be disembodied. I don't have to know a thing about them, but they can have hundreds, if not millions of subscribers on YouTube, Spotify, all that stuff, and they're leading people away from the heart of Jesus. Jesus. They're leading people to church. So that's the moment we find ourselves. And that's what happened in the first century, and it's been for all times, that there is this warning that Jesus gives, this command that Jesus gives to his followers. In verse uh, 15, he says, Beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. Jesus, if you were here last week, we looked at the famous passage where Jesus talks about the narrow gate, the way is hard that leads uh, to life. The, the gate is narrow, and that narrow gate was conversion, salvation. When you p- profess the lordship of jesus over your life and immediately following that jesus jesus what jesus does is he slaps a beware of wolves warning sign to the narrow gate he says if you come and follow me wolves will be in your future false prophets most likely will be in your future so you show a picture of jen and i went hiking about like seven years ago and uh this is like younger more stupider nick and uh so right at this hike in Colorado, and um, there at the beginning of the hike is this, is this bear alert. And I don't know about you, but this guy looks like the dude who's about to get mauled by the bear. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, at the beginning of this trail, there's a bear alert saying, yo, heads up, some people <laughs> encountered a bear a couple days previous to you. And then underneath that or like, like, hey, so it's your choice. Do you want to move forward? But if you want to move forward, keep your head on a swivel, because that like, that object moving in the woods is not, like, a cute deer. That's probably a bear, okay? But then secondly, in the really fine print that I did not read, um, and I don't think a lot of people read, is, like, what to do if you encounter a bear in the woods. And what I would do is scream and run for my life, right? That's what you do when you encounter a bear in the woods. So anyways, we were fine, but I showed that picture because I think that's what is happening here is uh, the park authorities in Colorado, same thing that Jesus is doing to those he's inviting to follow him on the narrow path. He's saying, hey, uh, don't be too concerned. There might be bears in your future, but if you're watchful, two things, if you're watchful and if you're informed, you're gonna be all right. You're gonna be all right. So there's actually what Jesus is saying, I'm getting ahead of myself, but if you're watchful and informed, you're gonna be all right. So it begs the question, Jesus says, "Beware beware of false prophets, they're wolves in sheep's clothing, wolves in sheep's clothing. So it begs the question, what in the world is a false prophet? What's a false prophet, right? Well, a simple definition of a prophet is somebody who speaks on behalf of God, right? Somebody who's like a, someone who speaks on behalf of God. Preaching is a prophetic function, and, that's, and a true preaching is. Is I open up, we open up God's word together, and through exhortation and teaching, me under the authority of God, under the fear of the Lord, hopefully preachers preach this way, we, we give you, hey, this is what we feel God is saying from his word to all of us today and what he's inviting us out of and what he's inviting us into. So preaching is a prophetic function in a way. And also we're, we, we, we believe in the continuation of the gifts of the spirit here uh, at the transit in a way that honors Jesus and actually serves the body of Christ. And so the prophetic is like, hey, like, I believe God gave me a word for you, and, and here it is. I hope it resonates with you. So it's twofold. It's, it's basically a simple definition is someone who speaks on behalf of God, but a, a false deduction would be this. We accept that, we accept that definition, but a false deduction on what a false prophet would be is this. A false prophet is anyone who at any time speaks falsely on behalf of God. That would be a false, so, so what I'm getting at here is on the internet you have lots of heretic hunters that will throw out the label false prophet a lot, but they won't use the scriptural kind of definition of what a false prophet really is. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. It is a false prophet, meaning this, a false prophet is not a dear sister in the Lord who is doing her best to genuinely follow Jesus and comes to you with a word of encouragement from God that completely misses. And you're saying, you just got that wrong. Like, I'm not going through that in my life right now. Boom, false prophet, right? That's, you can't do that, okay? That's not what it is. The true definition, and I'm about to share a bunch of scriptures your way, all right? True definition of a false prophet is somebody within the body of Christ but they're not actually a follower of Jesus, and they're using their gifting and their influence to draw people away from Jesus to serve their own ends. Let me repeat that. A true definition of a false prophet, a false prophet is someone within the body of Christ, but not actually a follower of Jesus who is using their gifting and influence to draw people away from the good shepherd. And scripture has a ton of warnings about these individuals for the church in the first century and for the church ad infinitum. So exhibit A, Mark 13, 22 through 33. This is Jesus. For false Christs and false prophets will arise, Jesus speaking to his followers, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard, I have told you all these things beforehand. So what we see here, Jesus gives a crystal clear heads up that there can be people in the body of Christ who are operating in a true, real, supernatural power. But it's demonic. And we're going to talk more about this next week. If you are looking, if your Bible's open, you see what we're going to be talking about next week. Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Casting out demons, prophesying, healing the sick. And Jesus can say at the end of the day, I never knew you. You were not part, you weren't. But, and so that's what Jesus is saying, is that they will operate in demonic power um, through signs and wonders. Mark, uh, and so, but then Jesus is saying this, but be on guard right? He says, I've told you all these things beforehand. Like, don't be shocked. Don't be stunned. Like, I've given you the heads up. Just keep your head on a swivel. Matthew 24, 11. Jesus saying this, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. How many wolves are on the narrow path? He says, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot, and they're going to lead many astray. Acts 20, 29-31, the apostle Paul uh, farewell, being farewelled by the Ephesian elders, this is his, his last words that he's going to say to the Ephesian elders. He says this, I know that after my departure, and a lot of New Testament scholars believe this is a prophetic utterance by the Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit. And I know that after my departure, wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them, not after Jesus." Therefore, be alert, keep your heads up, be watchful, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, the Apostle Paul again. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants, Satan's servants, also disguise themselves. As servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. And so we see that false prophets are described here as kind of, in Second uh, Corinthians, as sleeper agents, spies that the kingdom of darkness sends to infiltrate the church. And so when we're talking about false prophets, we're not, talking about so, we're not talking about some demonic ideology that's come out from outside the church. We're talking about stuff that's within the church, someone in the church professing Christ, but they're not actually a follower of Jesus. They're actually a servant of unrighteousness, not the servant of Jesus. In 2 Peter 2, 1-3, I could share more. This will be the last one I share. Second Peter 2, 1-3, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly, again, deception, secrecy, will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. And their condemnation from long ago is not idle. And their destruction is not asleep. So what we see here is that kind of the modus operandi, the MO of false prophets, is this. Is let me manipulate and twist, kind of tweak the scriptures. Maybe the doctrine of Christ. Uh, in Second Peter, the context was, hey, uh, Jesus isn't coming back anytime soon. It's like, hey, so therefore we can party. We can eat, drink, and be merry because there was an es- eschatological heresy that was kind of spreading that Peter, second Peter, the apostle Peter is addressing here. That basically is like, hey, we can throw this rager of a party because mom and pop are still away on their work trip and we don't need to repent and live in holiness. So, so what false prophets do is they, they bring in secretly these destructive heresies that sound like truth they use the scriptures. They, they kind of just slightly twist and tweak, maybe really amplify one scripture, but don't let other scriptures amplify that. Every cult is started with one scripture. You guys realize that? It's one person with only one verse, and they go completely rogue, and they start dancing with snakes. Yeah, all right? So that's like, scripture interprets scripture. That's what happens. And so so the, the MO of false prophets let me twist the scriptures to say what I wanted to say so that I can extract what I want to get from the body of Christ. So let me, let me, let me, let me lean into some prosperity gospel and say, if you sow your seed and, and, and you, and, 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 I'll, and I'll take some scriptures completely out of context and I'll ignore all the other scriptures about sharing in the sufferings of Christ so that you can fill my pockets and I can exploit the sheep, exploit those in poverty. And I watch some of these clowns when I'm, I don't have TV, but when I'm out of town I, and, and like you're, you know, you, Sunday morning, go watch tbn or whatever and i am and i'm looking at these guys who got they they, they open like a mango or, or like a fruit and they cut it open they have a bunch of you guys see these guys like murdoch and they have a bunch of seeds right and they're like sow your seed look you did and then, they, and then that's all they do it's crazy and, and i'm watching this and my jaw's on the floor i'm saying do they have no fear of god are you crazy how dare you twist the scriptures to fill your pockets and exploit the poor that jesus called you to serve Oh my gosh, it is terrifying. I'm like, do you have any idea what's coming? You false prophet, how dare you? And that needs to be publicly condemned. That is exhibit A of a ravenous wolf. And that's what Jesus says. When Jesus calls false prophets wolves in sheep's clothing, he says they're ravenous, which means they have this insatiable hunger for something that ain't Jesus and it ain't his kingdom. And it doesn't sound like Jesus and it doesn't smell like him. Hey, that prosperity gospel is nonsense. It is nonsense. God is the gospel, not just all the stuff he gives you. Um, I'm a little fired up about that. Sorry. And so these false prophets, they're hungry for wealth. They're hungry for power. They're hungry, Second Peter, sensuality. And they want to exploit and extract and take from the body of Christ and have them suffer so they can live in luxury. And you have, you, have, uh, you have certain men of God who say they're men of God, and they got a $300 million net worth that they have exploited from the poor in the church, promising them things that God has not promised to give them. Just write, it, write, give us everything in your savings, and God will return it sevenfold. How dare they do that? And so all that to say is this, is the danger from false prophets is real, but watch this, so is our ability to escape it. None of us have to walk in fear about being duped by false prophets, because the, what's the kryptonite of the false prophet? The power lies in their deception, their disguise. But if you can discern that, hey, dude, that's a cheap, sheep suit you got on. You went to Party City, but I can see your wolf claws. You know, hey, <laughs> like, I'm not buying what you're selling. You, it, it, like, it, easy to spot, and that's why the, the illustrations, Jesus shares, right? He says, um, do grapes come from thorn bushes. And in the first century, there were uh, certain thorn bushes that would have these black berries that would grow, where at a distance, if, if your hunger for food and comfort has twisted your discernment, you could be like, man, those look like great grapes. But you're eating something that's not a grape. It's a blackberry that's growing on a thorn bush. Or certain thistles in the first century in ancient Palestine, that they would grow, and from a distance, flowers that would grow would look like figs. And so if, you're confu- if, you're, if your judgment is clouded by your hunger, by your appetite, you can mistake that all of a sudden you're eating flowers <laughs> instead of figs. But as long as you can rightly discern the nature and the character of the tree, you're fine. Jesus says you'll recognize them by their fruit. A healthy tree pops out healthy fruit. A diseased tree pops out diseased fruit. So basically, if, if false prophets can trick you, they can trap you. But if they can't trick you, then you're absolutely fine. And so I was hanging out a couple of days ago, talking with my neighbor. All my three kids were in the backyard, and all of a sudden, my uh, second oldest daughter comes running up and uh, says, "Daddy, Daddy, she's just so excited. There's mushrooms in the yard." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm not alone in my response. Okay, so my family—we eat a lot of veggies at our house. Not—it's not my choice; it's somebody else's choice. Okay, so we eat a lot of—we <laughs> <laughs> we eat a lot of veggies in my house, and in my head, I. And I, I <laughs> I kind of pride myself on not being, like, a helicopter parent. Like, I want my kids to, like, you know, like, anyways. And so I, in my head, I immediately think, like, they're going to grab their Play-Doh knife, start cutting these things, and, and like start sauteing these mushrooms and eating them or whatever. So the first thing that comes out of my mouth was, don't eat the mushrooms. Just don't eat them. Whatever you do, don't eat them. And, like, you know, my, little, my little boy, one-and-a-half-year-old's there. He'll eat, any, he, I mean, he'll eat anything you put on the plate. And so I was like, don't eat. And I was kind of like, oh, of course I'm not going to eat the mushrooms. Why would I say that? Anyways, but here's the deal. Something that could be potentially lethal to them and really dangerous all i have to do is inform them to identify that hey that's a, don't eat the mushroom and immediately it's power to kill is completely it's kryptonite right once hey just don't eat it oh okay so as long as we don't be, like as long as we don't follow as long as we don't eat the, the the dish that false prophets are cooking to us then we're fine and we won't be led away from christ and so um begs the question well, how do we grow in discernment so that we're not led away into destruction? Like, I don't want to be deceived, right? So how do, we, how do we walk in discernment? And I think there's a spectrum in the church when we mention discernment. And there's two extremes that we can fall into in the church when it comes to discernment and trying to sniff out false prophets in the church. You know, like, raise your hand if you think so-and-so is a false prophet. You know, like, like that's—maybe you're like, hey, I think the guy in the pulpit is a false prophet. You know, whatever. Um— so on the on the one end of the spectrum is I call the proud heretic hunter. The proud heretic hunter. And the refrain of the heretic hunter in the church is this anyone who disagrees with my theology and where I stand on secondary theolo- theological issues is a false prophet. Because, because not the scriptures, but my interpretation of the scriptures is inerrant. So I, pr- I am proud that in every aspect, my theology is airtight. So anyone who disagrees with me is a false prophet, okay? That is a false, that's not a false prophet. That's a, that's a heretic hunter. Um, and let me just say this. And that person goes a step further. They say this, anyone who disagrees with me is a false prophet, who needs to be pub- publicly condemned, and it is my responsibility to hunt them out and to expose them. Okay, that's the proud heretic hunter. And let me just say, Jesus is not advocating this from his followers today. And I want to say this because, because the heretic hunters are rampant in the church today. And what I'm going to tell you is what if, what if the heretic hunters all over YouTube, um, what they're crying out against, what's the danger in the church, what if it's not just what they're crying out that's the greatest danger to the church? What if it's the heretic hunters themselves that are a danger to the church? I'm not saying they're false prophets, I'm saying they're brothers in the Lord. But, I, but, but I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. And let me just say this, if somebody disagrees with you politically, they're not a false prophet, right? If someone disagrees with you on eschatology, which, by the way, the entire church disagrees on, and which, by the way, I think everyone has a wrong eschatological view. So we hold hold these secondary issues humbly, and we don't attack and divide the body of Christ over things where Jesus said, I'm coming back and live your life in light of that, and go love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. The church needs to stop arguing with each other on YouTube, and start loving their neighbor, and be found working, and doing the work of ministry when Jesus comes. Not, okay, I'm ahead of myself. All right. Matthew 7, Matthew 7, 1 through 3. Let's read our text today in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, the, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this, judge not that you not be judged. For the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your own brother's eyes, but you don't notice the log, the telephone pole that's sticking out of your own eye? And so we in the church, we need to be slow to judge. All of us are in process. All of us are daily in need of grace. We stand in grace. We're daily in need of grace. So therefore, as those who need grace, we're quick to give grace and not judgment and criticism. So... Some of you, this might not apply at all, but if there's just one person, it's worth me saying, okay? Because I want to, I our church is going somewhere. We're going somewhere. And where I want and the elders want our church to go is the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. Clothing ourselves in compassion. Yes, conviction, but compassion. Getting out of here, going there, and modeling Jesus and not infighting over death theology where we all could be wrong, okay? That's my heart. And so for those of you, if you uh, don't know what a heretic hunter is, they're they're discernment ministries all over the internet. All of the, they got YouTube followers of hundreds of thousands of subscribers. um, And uh, a heretic hunter is someone who believes that God has ordained them to be the theology police for the global church. That God somehow called them, hey, police. It's like internal affairs for the church, and, and it's, it's, it's unreal. And so their MO is this. You can go, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a podcast nerd when it comes to theology. So maybe this is a message just to my heart, but I hope it resonates with you. But I, but I want you to be on guard. I'm, I'm trying to protect you from what I believe is dangerous, okay? And so what these people do is often, they've never served a day in ministry in their lives. And they'll just watch other people do ministry, and then they'll critique it in a way that is not of the spirit of Christ. They'll mock it there's cynical, there's pride, there's animosity, there's bitterness. It is, it, has, it is not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of Christ is not evident in how they discern. And are you kidding me? I, you know how easy it is to build a following on watching crazy dudes in the Midwest swing blazers over their head and whatever? Is that truly, is that true religion? Isn't true religion caring after the orphan and the widow, says the brother of Jesus? Yes, there needs to be discernment, but yes, There needs to be the heart of Christ. And and if we are here today, this is what I want to say to you, in love. And I need this too because I've fallen for it. Heretic Hunters on YouTube, it is glorified Christian gossip and slander. And and, and if we're not careful, we are partnering with someone who is the mouthpiece of the accuser of the brethren. Who has the shotgun, the sniper rifle on those in the church, and all they're doing is loading that thing, bam, another one, sniping, bam, another one bam and you watch it because it makes you feel really good about yourself because you're not the one getting sniped you're on the other end of the rifle it needs to stop it's gossip it's slander and it is not it is not us contending and striving for unity now let me give you a heads up there is a great podcast out there called remnant radio and if you are not listening to that that would be a great place for you to start listening and watching what it looks like for people to disagree with each other with christian charity so there's a couple. There's there's, there's two Acts twenty nine guys and one guy who's not Acts twenty nine that have this podcast and they'll bring on cessationists, they'll bring on continuationists, they'll bring on Anglicans, they'll bring on Methodists, and they'll talk. And they're contending for unity and they're challenge one another in brotherly love and affection. It's an amazing podcast. Go watch that podcast. It's awesome. It'll serve you really well. Um, and then unfollow all the other heretic hunters. You're following. What I want to say is this: If you're watching, and I'm not—I I could name them, I could name them, I could name them—I'm not going to name them. If you're watching these, let me just ask you this question: After you watch them trash people in the body of Christ, are—are are you leaving, growing in love for Jesus? Are you growing in love for the Church of Christ, the Body of Christ, the Bride of Christ? Are you—are they leading you to the lost? Are you growing in love for the broken, the lost, those who are walking in darkness? Are you just filled up with prideful resentment over clowns in the church? And second question would be this. Do you actually want to live like they're living and speak like they're speaking? Do, like, like, if you're going to hang out with them online, do you want to become like them? The pride, the resentment, the mocking that's happening over there, is that really what you want to embody? Is that the fruit of Christ in you? And if your hearts are being hardened, not softened, then you're actually being led away from the heart of Christ by the heretic hunters you're following. If they're not softening your heart for Jesus... And for the lost, but they're hardening your heart, and you got now. Yeah, now you have a chip on your shoulder that you carry because of these guys. You need to run away. You need to you need to unfollow that person immediately because they're not leading you to the heart of Jesus. Heart of Jesus, is, hey, let's get over ourselves and let's go. Let's get hungry for the Lord and hungry for the lost. Doctrine is critically important, which I'm about to show you. So don't don't hear me say something. Don't hear your Don't if you're out there on the live stream, I'll be on YouTube. But let send it. I don't care. All right. So, but now I'm going to call somebody else, all right? So you have the, the heretic hunter over here, and then you have the foolishly naive over here. And this person, their refrain is, there aren't any false prophets. They're just walking in a winter wonderland and, and Barnes and Noble. Anyone who wrote a book in the Christian section, oh, this is great. Oh, this is great, you know, and they're, I'm not, I'm not in any danger. And anyone who claims to be a Christian, anyone who writes a book, anyone who has a podcast, it's amazing, and I just love it. And there's just zero discernment. Zero discernment. And so I think in the heretic hunter camp, I think that's really kind of the reformed camp. And I went to reformed theology. I'm reformed in my soteriology. The reformed cessation camp, that's kind of where they need to be called to a little bit over here, but also kind of in the charismatic circles. With charismatics, I mean, y'all need some discernment, right? And so there's this book. What will happen in the charismatic circle is like this man of God had a really cool revelation where an angel visited him and gave him something new about prayer where Jesus actually didn't give us enough about the Lord's Prayer. It's actually, this is way more exciting. It's called The Courts of Heaven. You guys heard of this book? Hopefully everyone, you don't raise your hand. This is, this, is, this is actually demonic. And so there's like, I think like globally, like 2 million copies that have been sold where legitimately this guy had an angel, an like, like a supernatural encounter. Listen, just because you have a supernatural encounter, congratulations, demons dish out supernatural encounters all the time. All the time. And so now, and so now a bunch of people are reading this and instead of Jesus in prayer, saying go to your father prayer how you get through the door our father boom that's how you get in and now this guy because of this this revelation says there's this mysterious book and there's different uh, suites and offices in, in the courts of heaven you have to find the book and, and it's like he instead of instead of jesus leading you to the father this author of this book because of a revelation he had is leading you to a dmv office in prayer and God's a process. God's a transaction. And then you can unlock your blessing if you just turn the right keys rather than relationally uh, bending your knee to the Father. It's absolutely nonsense. And, and, and there needs to be discernment there. So those are the two camps the foolishly naive, anyone who's ever remotely ever professed Christ and wrote a book, they're ready to be followed. And everyone and everyone who ever falsely whatever is a false prophet. Okay? So, it, so all that's, those are the extremes. And in the middle, we're just called to humble discernment. Okay? Humble discernment. Humility. And the humble discerner says this false prophets exist, and if I'm not careful, I could be led away from truth. If I'm not careful, I could be led away from truth. Listen, I believe things that three years ago I didn't I didn't hold to. Like my views on the gifts of the Spirit have changed. So I was once an adamant opponent against the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit, and then i discovered the lord went after my head first and i opened up the scriptures and i go i was completely wrong i was completely wrong this stuff if i'm going to live under the authority of the scriptures so so therefore with some of these issues i'm saying okay well i'm gonna hold it humbly because i don't i i thought for sure i was right and actually i was i was holding something to where now future nick says no no you were wrong so humble discernment we hold our stuff humbly we're saying if i'm not careful i can be led away from truth and two times in our text jesus says you will recognize them by their fruits You'll recognize them twice, Jesus says. You'll recognize them. You'll recognize them by their fruits. He's saying, keep your eyes open. Be watchful. Jesus gives the open invite. Watch and evaluate the teachers and leaders in your life. Don't just sashay into a church body just because uh, the preacher's got a gifting. Are you, no, get to know them. Get to see what they believe, what they teach, what his character's like. And so I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus says, focus on the fruit, because if you focus on the fruit, it will reveal the root. Luke 6:45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. Watch this: for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. So you want to know the heart of a teacher or leader or false or prophet, whatever, just look at what their, the content of their teaching and the content of their character. That's the fruit we're to be looking at. What is this person consistently teaching, and what and how are they living, and how are they living? So content of teaching, are they preaching the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, this is of fourth, first importance, that Jesus died, he was crucified for your sins, and then he rose to new life, the gospel, salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. Are they preaching repentance, a life of repentance? conviction of sin, walking in holiness, are they preaching the scriptures, or is the content of what they're teaching new-agey self-helpism with a little Christian sprinkles on top? That's, that's infiltrated the church. Hey, let me, just, let me just steal from all these self-help books that I'm ingesting, and let me sprinkle a couple verses on it. It's just dripping with new-age self-helpism where you're the focus and not the Lord, but oh, but I got some Christian sprinkles on it, so it's okay. Is that the teaching? And then, and then secondly, the content of their character. And listen, we can only judge the content of someone's character through knowing them. But it's so important to belong to a local church. Like the, the, the celebrity pastor or the podcaster, like we can't judge their character from a distance. We have no idea what they're like. We can't actually obey Jesus when he's saying, hey, if you're going to daily listen to this individual, are there fruit, are the fruits of the spirit? Evident in their life, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentle, self-control. Are they doing their best, not perfectly, but under the grace of God to strive to live out the greatest commandment, to love God and to love their neighbor? It's so important for us to belong to a local church because that's how we can discern is in proximity with one another. Again, it's not this person person perfect. I have disappointed you guys and will continue to disappoint you guys. I'm walking in uh, imperfection and our elders are, all of us. Uh, hold this uh, treasure in jars of clay, but the scriptures hold leaders and elders to a higher standard, and you should expect more from us. Like, you should hold it. Like, don't lower the bar. Like, you should hold the bar high, because the scriptures do. Titus, 1 Timothy, these are the qualifications for an elder, and it has nothing to do with competency and gifting. It has everything to do with their character. Does this man love the Lord? Does he love his wife? Does he love his kids? Does he love the church? Does he love the lost? Is love preeminent in his life and ministry? So, three things, and then we'll close. How we grow in discernment. Okay, so how then do we grow in humble discernment to, to figure out what the deception is and, and where we're being led is, one, we need to know the word. We need to know the word. All of us should live and base our conduct and our lives off of the authority of the scriptures. We don't come over the scriptures and pick and choose what we want. know. all of us, including every teacher and prophet, true or false, whatever, they live under the authority of God's inerrant and authoritative word. So therefore, any teacher or any prophet claiming to speak on behalf of God will only speak what amplifies the revealed, inerrant, uh, authoritative word of God. So for our sakes, for growing in discernment, if we don't know the truth, we won't be able to spot falsehood. We don't need to go out and figure out what all the heresies are. We just need to get, we need to study the word, get in the scriptures. The psalmist says, I have stored up your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I have stored up your word in my heart so that I might not be led astray by false teaching and doctrine. I've stored up your word in my heart. And what that looks like is this, is all of us in high school had like a favorite band. Anyone have a favorite band they listened to in high school? Yeah, okay. Now, if I were to come to you and say, say your favorite band was Dave Matthews, okay? <laughs> it's almost like, it's chuckle. Uh, don't, I'm not about to sing Ants Marching, so nobody forgot. Uh, and I were to come to you, and, uh, and you downloaded every, you have every song. You had, like, the tape cassettes, the CD book. You know, you, have, you had every song ever written, played on guitar, Dave Matthews band. But then so your friend comes up to you. He's like, dude, I just, I just discovered this new Dave Matthews song. It was one of his deep tracks, you know, whatever. He's like, dude, I know every song. I can't wait. to like, sing that for me. And he starts singing it. And playing it, and you're like, dude, that's dashboard confessionals. That's not even Dave Matthews. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you can immediately spot the error because you're saying, No, you're you're saying you're speaking on behalf of somebody, but I know I know every lyric of every song. So you can't pull a fast one on me. And we need to grow in that. The scriptures say the greatest commandment is that we would love the Lord our God with all of our mind, all of our mind. So there needs to be a faithful, continual study of God's Word, getting in the truth and the truth setting us free. From falsehood and protecting us from false teaching. And first Timothy four, thirteen through sixteen, this is the encouragement of the Apostle Paul to Timothy, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. We see the the Apostle Paul tell that to Timothy. That's why we value this. Uh, one of the main reasons we value this is we see it clearly evident in scripture. This is how we continue to do what the apostles have entrusted to Timothy and entrusted to us 2,000 years later, public reading of scripture, exhortation, and teaching from the scriptures. And then he says this, do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. And so again, let me just say this, and we'll talk about this more next week, is that when Jesus uh, says watch out for false prophets, he's not condemning all prophecy. He's not saying, okay, he's not saying do away with anyone who ever dares speak on behalf of God. We see that Timothy got something he previously didn't have through prayer and through the gift of prophecy. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see a progress. In verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching that, that where we need to be is not just a close watch on anyone and everyone who's a, a false prophet out there. We need to keep close watch on ourselves and our teaching, on our teaching, on the doctrine and get in... So if we're here today and your Bible's getting a little dusty um, and uh, your reading plan has been shelved, get back on that. That's going to be good soil to, to your soul. I mean, good water, good sunlight to, to your soil. And the Lord encounters you there when you open up his, his revelation of himself. And that will be your safeguard. So get a reading plan. Get a good study Bible. There's really good study Bibles out there because when you get in some, uh, some, maybe some of the Old Testament or even like we need to know the historical context so we can properly interpret the scriptures. Um, we need to keep close watch on ourselves and get brothers and sisters in Christ to partner with you and maybe just diving in to God's word in a reading plan together. So secondly, so first is know the word. We can't spot falsehood if we don't know the truth. Secondly, we need to know the Lord. So, yes, we are called to love God with all of our minds. but We're also called to love the Lord with all of our hearts, all of our hearts. And so the closer you and I get relationally to Jesus, the harder it will be for someone to lead us away from him, and I think true discernment is fortified in the prayer closet, not on the podcast subscriptions. True discernment is fortified in the prayer closet because it's in the for par- the prayer closet that you encounter the true heart of Jesus. It's when you encounter His love, what 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 brings Him joy, what brings Him delight, what brings Him honor and glory. You encounter the Lord's heart, and so in prayer, you you there, there's a difference. You shift from just learning facts about a person to actually knowing that person. And their delight. So for example, if someone were to come to me, I'm at work at the office, and uh, I have no idea what my wife and kids are doing that day, but someone comes claiming to speak on behalf of Jen, saying, I am a prophet sent speaking on behalf of Jen. And your wife says this, Nick, meet me at 6 p.m. tonight at Mission Barbecue so we can devour beef brisket together. I would say, well, you got the, yeah, you got the wrong husband. Like... (laughs) I don't know what, Jen, you're talking about, but you would never in a million years say that. And uh, it's not just that I, uh, but you'll see me at 6 p.m. at Mission Barbecue. Uh, but the, the, uh, it's not just that I know the fun fact that my wife is, is a vegan. It's that I know her heart, that beef brisket disgusts her. Right? Like, there's a difference. Like, like I can just download a lot of facts from a distance about my wife. Oh, yeah, she's, this is what she eats. vegan. But, but, but relationally, that, that connection, that close, I can immediately spot it because that's not my wife's heart. That, like, like, sound, like, I, that doesn't sound like, that doesn't even remotely uh, seem like the heart of my wife, something that she would desire to do, something that she delights in. And so here's my encouragement. Here's the application. One more point, and then we'll close. Um, is when, kind of going back to the intro, when an incident happens that shakes us to our core, globally, nationally, and it just shakes us, and fear and anxiety creep in, all of us have the temptation to run to people on the internet to tell us, to lead us. Say, so what do you have to say about this? Who's the problem and what's the solution? Now, let's do this. How about instead of running to podcasters, we run to our prayer closets when incidents like that happen? We're the most privileged people on the planet Earth. We have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so when we're walking with our shepherd in the valley of the shadow of death, when we turn to a a, a YouTuber, we're... We're turning our back on the the Prince of Peace, and we're saying, you, a guy I know nothing about who maybe has no formal education, but you've got a really cool YouTube channel, you tell me, what are your thoughts on this incident? Instead of turning here and saying, Jesus, I will tarry with you, and I'm bringing you my fear, and I'm bringing you my anxiety, and I want you to lead me where you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a world of difference. Now, I'm not saying it is wise. It is wise to find some people that can – You know, if you don't have time to watch the news incessantly like some people do and say, I trust this person to filter this for me and I'll go to them to get what I, you can do that. But I'm saying first and foremost, what's your knee jerk reaction when something happens? Are we running to our good shepherd, the prince of peace in prayer? Because the bottom line is if we are look if the church of Jesus Christ is looking at what everybody else is looking at and we're watching what everyone else is watching, we're going to be responding the way everybody else is responding. And what's going to be the light shining in the darkness is, a, is a, the people of God walking in, uh, in peace. And the only way you can walk in peace is if you're hanging out with the Prince of Peace, not the podcaster who's freaking out and causing everyone else to freak out, okay? So lastly, we need to be known in community. So if we want to grow in discernment, let's double down on loving the Lord with all of our, our minds. Let's know the word. Let's know the Lord. Let's get uh, connecting and abiding with Jesus. And thirdly, we need to be known in community. We have to be known in community. The lone wolf Christian is easily devoured by wolves in sheep's clothing. We need each other. True discernment is fortified and strengthened in the fellowship of believers because the simple truth is that we all have blind spots. All of you do. I have blind spots when it comes to why we choose to believe what we believe as Christians. It's like a habit your own way Burger King God that we try to craft in our own image. We're saying, so we have to be very careful of picking our theology based on what we like and don't like. You know what I'm saying? This is a very common thing. This end times view is really weird. I don't like it. What's the normal one? I'm going to go adopt it. Uh, The the tongues, healing, demons, deliverance, that's really weird. I don't like weird. How can I just adopt this other theology instead of saying, what do the scriptures actually say? Not what does this person say, but they've said this, but let me say, let me make sure that they're saying what is true of what God's word says. So we have to be very careful. And we all do this. I do this. We all do this. We all have blind spots. But how in the world, if you're blind to it, how do you know you have a blind spot, right? Unless somebody calls it out. Well, you're driving, you're in the driver's seat, and there's someone in your blind spot to the right, and your, your precious wife is in the front seat, and all of a sudden you're trying to switch lanes. How do you know when, when you have someone in your blind spot? When she goes, ah, when she starts screaming. And you're like, I got a blind spot, I didn't see that. Right? That's how you, that's, you need somebody else who can see something you can't see. But that only happens in community. So join a community group. At our community groups, we want them to be a haven, a place of belonging, no matter what you believe, but it's a great place for us not to just argue theology with people, but to see that, hey, not everyone believes in what I believe and thinks the way I think, and then our ideas, in a healthy way, can be encouraged and strengthened or challenged and, and fortified. If it's true, it'll be challenged and be further strengthened, so on and so forth. So join a community group. If you are not in one, um, Galatians 6, we need to help carry one another's burdens. We have a burden that we need help carrying, and we also commissioned by Christ to help carry other people's burdens, and we have to do that in community. So join a group if you're not part of a group yet. So with that said, I'm going to co- conclude with this. John 8, John 8. I want us to conclude rejoicing that Jesus has revealed truth to us, that he's revealed truth to us, that we're, we now have the option of not falling for falsehood because Jesus first came and revealed what is true to us. John eight thirty one. So Jesus said to the Jews, and band, you can uh, come on up. So Jesus said to the Jews who had revealed him, who had believed him, not revealed him, who had believed him, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus came to reveal the truth to a humanity that was walking in darkness, walking in darkness about their sin, walking in darkness about their separation from God and Jesus Christ. All of us here today, if we profess Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, what we're saying is that we believe that Jesus has revealed truth. The Holy Spirit has regenerated our dead hearts to believe the gospel. I am a sinner, and my greatest need is the forgiveness of my sins so that I can have be restored to relationship with God. And Jesus is that Savior. Jesus is that Savior. So let's posture our hearts today to uh, go before the Lord, and then I'll conclude us with prayer and and communion. But let's just go before the Lord. I want to give you guys an opportunity to respond to the preaching of the word, and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and search your heart, to reveal truth where you might be walking in darkness. What's the next step that Jesus has for us today? So I'll go silent, and then close us in prayer. Thank mm-hmm. Lord, you are such a good shepherd. We thank you for your leadership over our lives from day one. How you've led us out of former lives, lifestyles, Lord God, where we were dancing with the devil and walking in darkness, God. That we're here today, all of us are here today because you revealed what is truth. You spoke on behalf of God, the true prophet, the only true prophet. And you revealed the heart of God to all of us. And you opened up our our blind eyes to see that your beauty and your love and your mercy and your grace. So we say thank you, Jesus, for being such a good shepherd and leading us to truth and giving us a heads up of the reality of false teaching and the reality of false prophets. So we thank you for your leadership in our lives. We thank you for speaking. We thank you for condescending to where we're at and being intimately involved in our lives. We thank you for your word, which is truth, and your invitation to abide in your truth, to abide in you and in your word, which is our life, which is our sustenance, which is our protection, Lord Jesus. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, for all of us, myself being the foremost, where we are walking in darkness, where we're being led astray by our own preferences, what we prefer, would you just come, Holy Spirit, and and course correct us, God. We want you, Jesus. We want you, Jesus. We want your presence. We want your kingdom not any other kingdom to be established on this. We want your kingdom to come in love and in beauty and in grace and in compassion and in kindness and in power. We want your kingdom to come. Our hearts are groaning, Romans 8. Lord, come. This creation is groaning. We need your kingdom. where the church arrives, when we arise with compassion and calmness because we've been, we've been tearing with the Prince of Peace as the world's on fire, we're right by your side. Would you do that with our hearts? Would it start here with us, God? So we pray for opportunities this week as we go out to have conversations about you, Jesus, with neighbors, with coworkers, just divine appointments, God. And you say, let me tell you who I know. Let me tell you what he's like. Let me tell you the peace that he's given me, the hope that I have. Let me tell you what he's done in my life, God. Would we have more of a zeal to see your kingdom come than anything else, God? Would we have a zeal? It's so simple, the greatest commandment, to love you, to know you, to see you, and to make you know. And so purge us of idols, Lord God. Forgive us where, uh, for me, where I've participated in gossip and slander and accusation. I've been quick to judge, extending righteous or unrighteous judgment on everyone else and not seeing the, the beam that's in my own eye. So we just, we just come before you and need a forgiveness. And before we take communion, we come to you, God, and we ask for forgiveness. We want to posture our hearts. We say, search us, O God, if there's any unclean way in me, lead me in the way of righteousness before I take of the Lord's Supper. And so we love you, Jesus. We thank you that um, we no longer are walking in darkness, but we're walking in light and in truth, all because of you and your heart for us. So we pray this in your name. Amen.